Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Green grass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. No way. Three, four, three. And now, Bears Etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak, and Tom Sandek. Quiet weekend for the Bears who returned from their bye, ready to go to work on what is a five-piece bucket of challenges, Big Tom, awaiting beginning Sunday at noon at Soldier Field with the NFC North Division leading Detroit Lions. With Super Bowl winning Chicago Bear guard Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears Etc. episode number 39. We'll hear from head coach Matt Eberflus on his bye weekend and what he's looking forward to. The Bears, Tom, are 3-1 and one in primetime this season. And frankly, I'm looking at Sunday at Soldier Field at noon as primetime for the Bears. Primetime game, home, Lions open as a four-point favorite, just three weeks removed from the dramatic come-from-behind win November 19th at Ford Field against the Bears, the one that got away. So no better way to make amends for that misstep than to treat this and send some messages in the remaining moments of this season in the NFC North by whipping their behinds. How about it? Well, you know, Jeff, the thing about it is if you're an improving football team and your ultimate goal is for success, success means winning an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And you're never going to get into the playoffs if you don't control your own division. And so one, letting the ones slip away in Detroit, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I still have a bad taste in my mouth from that. And then going into the road in Minnesota on prime time and beating Minnesota in Minnesota, it meant a lot to this football team. But it would mean a lot to the Bears crowd and the future success of Matt Eberflus, as he talked about at the podium, making sure you improve individually, you improve segments, and that how affects the team. And then you finish the season strong. And that means you have to beat Detroit at home. So Justin Fields came off his injury and really tore it up at Detroit, shakes off the two fourth-quarter fumbles in Minnesota, throws the 36-yard dart to DJ to set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, Does that give him a platform to jump off of now for the final five and say, hey, put all those critics quiet, go out there, lead your team, lead some wins, and really refurbish uh, some of what has been tarnished over the course of the season? You know, the thing about it, success or failure, you're always going to have critics. And I think Justin should leave the critics in his rearview mirror and just continuously try to figure out how can he improve his game from the quarterback position and how it affects the team. So I think Justin has done a nice job since he's returned from his thumb injury. But you need to see him improve at that rapid rate throughout the remainder of the season. And from throwing the dart type pass that you talked about to DJ Moore to the design quarterback runs into his evaluation of a um, downfield passing game from dropping back from center. I think all those things that he can improve upon affects the entire team. Bears fans, you can be there for live NFL action all season long as the official ticket marketplace of the Bears and the NFL Ticketmaster has a wide selection of tickets available for every game. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Bears. Jeff and Tom and the Bears Etc. podcast. Does the fact that Fields ran wild and has run wild on the Lions throughout his uh, career factor in on Sunday? 
Well, you know, how did he run wild? Did he run wild out of desperation early in his career? Or is he running wild because they have designed quarterback runs? And that's the thing, that Jeff, that I'm most encouraged by with Justin running is these designed quarterback runs. They have good athleticism at the tackle position. They're getting good blocking out of the tight end position, and they're getting good blocks from the running backs. So if they have a designed quarterback run for Justin, that means there's always going to be one extra blocker on the field than they have defenders. So to me, going forward, I like to see the success of designed quarterback runs rather than I see running out of desperation. So I'm encouraged by the growth and the development of the offense that are including the designed quarterback runs. What do you think the uh, effect uh, or impact of the rumor mill might have on the psyche of this team? Uh, It goes from top to bottom, really. Uh, Any number of thoughts. I know they say don't read, don't watch, don't listen, but... You know, family members do. We know it. It's hard to keep the outside noise outside sometimes. And with just five games to go. See, I, I pose this differently to Matt Eberflus, and we'll hear from him in just a minute, uh, that, you know, why, why can't you just stir these guys up into a frenzy with a five-game schedule coming off a late bye because it's not like it's midseason and it hasn't gone well and you could, you know, potentially not have these guys' attention anymore. But after the win, how they did it in five games, just five games to, to go out there, five outdoor games, and you, you have the capability of winning all five games. You, you really do. I know the Packers are playing better. I, I know the Lions are the leaders in the division, and they're dangerous, no question about it. But you took them to the mat in Detroit. Why can't you do it here? Well, you know, unfortunately, I had the experiences of living through a 5-11 and 11 and 6-10 and 10 season. And so we had basically three or four newspapers that you'd have to pay attention to to uh, have, you know, be infiltrated by the rumor mill. If you stayed away from the papers, you really didn't hear a lot of stuff. But nowadays it can come from every different angle. And when Matt was asked about the podium, about the vote of confidence that he feels he's getting from Ryan Poles, that's got to be a confidence builder inside the, the building and it has to have players realize that you know this this whole project may stay in forward motion so you better perform at a high level you're always being evaluated and don't count the coach on you to get you pumped up or fired up as a team moving forward it's got to be for a positive message that's in the locker room from the veteran leaders in this team on this team and you know Montez Sweat is the type of guy, he's been here long enough that he can have a voice and he can have an opinion where this team is should be going. DJ Moore has proved himself in this locker room that he can be uh, a, conf- a voice of confidence inside that locker room. So a lot of these young guys, whether it's guys like Tevin Jenkins or Justin Fields or whomever it is, they, they should be listening to some of these veterans about what they need to do in order to get this thing pointed in the right direction, include T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Johnson, for that matter. You know, i got to tell you something. Uh, we did our show on Sunday night, Bears Game Night Live on Fox, and it was a mic'd-up segment with Kyler Gordon. And you just you heard the youthful exuberance of just having fun playing football. It reminded me uh, of how you guys played. You guys just had fun. Of course, you guys were winning almost all the time, too. However, but the Erlacher-Briggs era, uh, Peanut Tillman, 
that whole group, they just had fun going out there, and they just ran around like little kids and played played ball. That's what it sounded like in that game against Minnesota. And I, I, I find that to, t- to be a very positive thing because this is mostly a young football team, and they're just they're just starting their careers. They're just growing. There's still growth to go, and if they're having fun doing it despite the cobblestone road of an uneven season uh, and just tastes of success here over the last half uh, dozen games, eight games, I, I think that's encouraging, and maybe their attention will be extra sparked and and focused on what the task is and that's doing your job and go get some wins i know i'm being hey i am being ultra positive on this podcast (laughs) but you know i'm glad you brought that up because there's something that caught my eye and we didn't have time to talk about it so in the mic up segment with kyler gordon is after he got his interception and they go to the camera and celebrate if you look at the player to his immediate right that was running down the field that Will, ready to celebrate was Montez Sweat. So here you got a guy that has some real credibility inside the league who signed a long-term contract with the Bears. You have two guys that are se- uh, separated by a, quite a few years in terms of an NFL life. But yeah, that youthful enthusiasm is contagious. And now you got a guy that shows the excitement to be playing in an NFL game and then has a big play on Monday Night Football and look to the guy to his right. It's a guy that we want to be an exciting partner of this football team in what they're able and what they're able and what they're going to accomplish. Well, you don't want it, and we've hey, we've seen it. We've seen it here, and and you've seen it probably in your locker rooms when things haven't gone well. Uh, the non-interested parties, and they are thinking about the future. They're making business decisions. They're they're not engaged. Uh, it doesn't losing doesn't hurt them like it should. Uh, so I, I I want that to be the case. I know I'm coming up with all these uh, perfect scenarios, uh, but it's something we touched on here with Bears head coach Matt Everflus. So let's join that conversation. Our weekly uh, confab with Matt and the status at house. All right, welcome back, welcome back, Big Matt. Uh, weekend uh, in the rearview mirror, and time to dig in here. Uh, first of all, how was your weekend? It was good. Got a chance, like I said, to spend some time with my ladies. Um, so it was good and uh, unwind this weekend a little bit. Watch the games, of course, the college games on you know on Saturday, and then the pro games on Sunday, and that was enjoyable. Anything stick out on those games that caught your eye? Yeah, just like uh, it comes down to the finish. You know, the finish part is so important. That even in college, right? Even in college, <laughs> you know. So the, how you finish is is so important, and your two minute and your four minute operation is huge, and obviously the ball is always big. You know, and uh, you saw the games uh, where teams that won the takeaway battle uh, win win those games most and create opportunities for themselves to score points. And uh, you certainly saw that this weekend. You know, uh, focus on the college thing real quick. Are you seeing um, the reason why the pro game is changing a little bit because of what you see in college every week now? Yeah, you can definitely see it. And, uh, you know, I watched uh, my alma mater, you know, Toledo play Bowling Green and I watched my old coach, Coach Saban, play in the championship game there, and uh, certainly uh, happy that he's in the in there for sure. But uh, yeah, you can definitely see it. There's a lot of things that are starting to translate up to the pro game. You know, they gotta have an SEC team in the playoff, right? Yeah, it <laughs> be, somehow, some way, wouldn't be right. It wouldn't yeah. be right. Most of the NFL players are coming from the SEC. Uh, all right. Well, the focus now getting the guys back, and I know when you sent them out of here, they had to meet with uh, sports science and get ready. So. Seriously, literally, are you putting them on a scale when they get back right away to see how it went, literally? 
No, we're doing everything from yeah. checking them, you know, medically to see if anything came up when they were gone. And, and we want to check with them mentally where they are as well as physically. And the guys are in a good spot right now. You know, they got a, had a good workout this morning with the strength staff and, you know, checked in medically with our trainers and our performance staff. And, and we're in a good spot. There's this debate about the bye week. When's the best time for the bye week? Uh, with this team going what it went through so far this season, um, coming back over the last eight games at 500, but overcoming a lot of injuries, other issues going on. Uh, does this kind of strengthen the case for the late bye? Because now you got a five-game season, and you can invest every ounce. Not that you can't when it's looking ahead from a seven, looking back at a 17-game season, but it's a five-game season, and you guys can make a lot of noise and do a lot of things that you already had penciled in as what your goal was. And there's no no saying, no telling what could happen here in the next five. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, their bye week is where it is. And I think it worked out uh, this year because we had those two mini buys. You know, we had the five games and another five games and we had the mini buy. So, um, you know, this bye week has obviously worked out really well for us uh, at the end. And like I said, we're, we're, in, we're in a good spot health-wise uh, and also mentally where we are coming off a divisional victory and then playing another, you know, division leader uh, coming in here in the soldier field, with, which we think is, is outstanding in front of our fans and our guys are super excited about that. And, uh, you know, in the way we won last week, you know, to really prove this to ourselves that we can, uh, we can pull these things together for ourselves. Can you get them really stirred up over these last five? Like, Hey, what's stopping us? Yeah. The guys are really excited. I had a, a nice team meeting with the guys and the opportunity that lies ahead of us. And uh, the guys see where everything is. And uh, we're just going to keep put our, put our heads down and keep working and uh, keep improving. And part of the bye week is improving, you know, each individual guy, uh, each individual position and each individual unit. And uh, that has been spelled out for each, each, uh, each section of that. Um, and we talked about that in the team meeting and they talked about it in the unit meetings. Now we got to set the drills up to practice up to make sure we uh, make those improvements. What have you liked? Yeah, I mean, the things that you've liked is, is obviously the resiliency, the resolve of the football team. You know, to be able to handle adversity and go through that and come out the other end is, has been really good. You know, the, the attitude and the work ethic has never changed. These guys have been true pros all the way through. And uh, I commend those guys for that. And I commend the leadership of the football team. Uh, to be able to uh, to pull through that way and, you know, put ourselves in this position to, you know, feel great about the last five games. And obviously uh, being at home against Detroit is going to be a big one. Record aside, what haven't you liked? You know, it's obviously, you know, when you look at the things that you, that you want to improve is, you know, really just the protection of the football. You know, that took us a while to figure that out. Um, you know, we got that right and we got the ball right, you know, we were going to be right. And uh, once we did, you know, that was we see a big positive force, you know, because you have, a, have to give yourself a chance, you know, at the end of the game to win those games. And we didn't do that in the first four games. You know, we had the ball turnover. We turned over the ball too much, four scores. And uh, obviously that's uh, something that you got to avoid. And I, I mean, I'm assuming you're a head coach, so your mind is always working, even, even when you're in your downtime and you go through things. And I don't know, maybe you don't, maybe you're not a look back guy. Um, I dwell on things. So I, I, I saw something written earlier today, really six minutes, six minutes of playing time away from being a 500 team and a whole different look for the five games in the playoff hunt. Not that you're not now. I mean, hey, again, you win five games, it's gonna, something, something's going to happen. Um, do you ever dwell on that? Like, or do you use that as, hey, guys, six minutes. 
from yeah. six and six. I always look at performance and what you can learn from it. So yes, no question. I think you can learn from every performance. You know, we could learn from last week's performance, you know, two weeks ago. We can learn from the first game of the year or the second game of the year. And it, we always have to do that. And you have to learn, process it, and then move forward to the next opponent. All right. Uh, Justin Fields against Detroit the first game. Boom, he came back. He was on fire. 16 to 23, 169. Ran the ball really well. Um, going against them a second time. And he's run the ball well against Detroit his whole career. So does that give him, not to mention it's his home turf, his home building, really a starting point of success against Detroit that he can build on? Yeah, I mean, we're going to look at, obviously, what we did last time against them, and we're going to play off of those looks, and I think that's a great opportunity for our offense, you know, to do that, and also our defense, you know, and then we've always got to be solid on special teams. And, and again, these these division games are always tight. Um, they're always, you know, hard fought. They're always physical, and we understand that. The elements are going to play a part, a role, you know, coming forward, you know, into these next games, and special teams is going to be a big part of field position. Running game. It's it's been a committee approach, obviously, all year. I'm not. You say the health is really trending in a positive direction. Does that include the backfield? Yes, yeah. yes, okay. yes. It does for sure. And you know, running the ball, you know, in the weather is is going to be important. And running the ball, you know, as you get into December and and beyond that point, is always going to be big. You know, going into the future. So I just think that you know the ability to do that, uh, stop the run, and be able to run the ball. You know, you know, playing in this North Division, I think it's it's going to be paramount going forward. I asked Ryan Poles this a couple of weeks ago. Did he envision that it would wind up being a spread the ball around committee approach to the running game? And he, he felt, he kind of laughed. He said, yeah, you, you think that, but then you think somebody's going to emerge or whatever. But because of injuries and, and, and guys uh, not able to play the whole season, did you feel the same way? Did you think it was going to shake out where you'd have, you'd have a top dog that would get breaks during the game, but it's now been just the opposite. Yeah, we, we feel good about all three guys, yeah. you know, and, and again, whoever rises up, you know, that particular week. Based, feed him, right? Based on injury, just feed him and, and let him do his thing. And, you know, obviously the, the line has done a good job of creating those holes and obviously the perimeter. You know, our tight ends have done a really solid job of really, you know, uh, capturing the edge, so to speak, of the defense. And, and the perimeter blocking with our receivers has, has been, has been uh, good as well. I mean, we're fifth in the league, I think, in rushing. Yeah, um, and so we're going to continue to do that and continue to improve. Uh, there's this always debate too. Okay, you're a, you're a outdoor team in Chicago. Automatically, you think mentally they got an advantage over visitors. Or on the road, these next five games are all going to be outside, and it could be inclement weather, cold, whatever. Uh, but a lot of these guys are from parts all over the country, warm weather, whatever. Do they have to adopt that? in some way, or do you have to pound it in the head? This is who we're going to use this to our advantage because we have two dome teams in the division. Yes, the Packers are like the Bears, and that's traditional, but do you use that to your advantage in any way and convince these guys, hey, we're going to embrace the weather, and we're going to use it to our advantage? Well, what's nice about it, you practice in it, you know, Mm -hmm. so you get used to it, you know, and and certainly we have a bunch of guys that are not from uh, up this way, and and, uh, certainly they're cold when they're out there, but, uh, you know, they learn to deal with it and they learn to, to focus on you know, executing during the, during the weather. So, you know, we had to walk through the day. It was cold out there, you know, and we were out, we we're outside and we're going to continue to do that as long as the weather's fine in terms of the wind. Uh, but uh, we'll be out there every day. Got to talk about some individuals. TJ Edwards. I, I, I just love how he plays. I just love how he plays and how over the course of the season, it's just becoming, it seems he's playing faster, whether that's mentally angles, whatever. And he's viciously popping guys. Um, is he 
exactly what you expected, or has he surpassed your expectations in this offense? Uh, yeah, this we defense? certainly knew that watching him, you know, with Philadelphia, and you know, when he came out, that he's a very instinctive player, and he's he's uh, definitely shown that to us. And that's the position that when you play that will position um, in our defense, it's been a highlighted position, and and uh, you have to have great instincts there, and you got to be a playmaker, and he's he's done that. You know, he's you know leading the league in, in tackles, and he's made really good splash plays in terms of interceptions, you know, deflections, you know, stops on you know third and fourth down, and uh, you saw that evident the other night, and he's continuing to impress. And then the Montez Sweat factor, um, you know, just going over a couple games on my own this weekend, just looking back, this word multiplier that's being used, it, it certainly is relevant here with him. Uh, I mean, honestly. Do you feel like the best is yet to come for this player? He's still a young player, and that length and that speed, which, you know, 40 times for defensive ends, you kind of dismiss, well, you know, they're not running in a straight line. But when he gets unblocked, he's on you. That's it. It's a couple steps, and that's it. How, how impactful can he be to this defense the rest of this season and beyond? Yeah, the test factor, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive to watch him, you know, first of all, practice. You know, and watch him with his teammates, you know, how he is encouraging and how he tries to help. and always So he's been vocal, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. And he's always wired in um, in the meetings and practice, and, you know, he does a really good job with that. He's always, you know, encouraging others. You can watch him during the game. You know, if somebody else makes a sack, he's there encouraging them. If somebody else makes a big interception, he's right there. So he's a really good teammate and a really good person to start. But uh, – He's certainly a, a great talent, too. You know, his length, his ability to, to uh, take off on the ball, get off on the ball, his takeoff is really good. And, you know, his ability to turn the corner, you know, and we're going to keep using that. You know, we're going to put him in position uh, where he can highlight his skill and uh, he can certainly help us. And, again, it's always about rushing, cover, cover, and rush. So it's about him rushing, but it's also about the coverage holding up, you know, just another tick so those guys can get home um, in the rush. And uh, that's always important. The defense is, is a topic. I mean, it's caught the attention of the league uh, and the analysts and all that. That you know, do these guys believe it too? Yeah, their own guys. I do. They, they, you know, the continuity and you know the guys coming together, um, they can feel that. But it's about making plays, right? You know, so when the guys make plays, they get confident. You know, and uh, the guys have made plays. They made some big stops over the course of the last eight games, and uh, they've, they've made a lot of nice plays. And then they're confident, and and they got to continue to do the work on the field because all we got is the practice field. You know, if we get continue to do that, we're going to be okay. And you know, the development of individuals throughout the course of this season, uh, not to mention the free agents you brought in, they were established players, but they still had to had to prove it again. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to do it every game, every year. Um, do, do you feel there's been development uh, across the board? On offense, defense, and special teams with this football team? Yeah, no doubt. You look at like the first and second year players. I mean, you know, we've had a bunch over the last, you know, and then even like bringing in free agents, you know, so you're teaching them your system. And this football team is way different than it was last year, you know, and you can you can feel that, you know, if it's Kyler Gordon or or Brisker, you know, or even like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mooney, you know, guys that like that DJ coming in, that's a new into a new system. Um, you know, there's a bunch. Two Tevin D- Jenkins developing. Two new D tackles, Tyreek Stevenson, you know, uh, Smitty. I mean, you, you can go across the board from, you know, the lines to the, the perimeter players. And, yeah, you know, the coaches are good, are really good teachers, and that's our job is to develop them uh, in, into good football players. You think you can be a dangerous team down the stretch? I, I know this, that we're going to focus on Detroit. 
and uh, that's going to be our main focus uh, this week, and we're going to put our best foot forward. Anything about them uh, that's altered since three weeks ago? No, I mean, I know they always rely on their running game, and you can certainly feel that to start that game uh, last week. And, uh, you know, they have two good runners. Their offensive line is obviously the strength of their football team, and uh, you can feel that. Their perimeter players are obviously very skilled. Um, they got those guys on the perimeter a bunch of different ways, uh, a couple reverses, double reverses. You know, so and obviously the tight end Laporta had one heck of a game yesterday. And, uh, you know, he's always going to be, you know, and like I said, he's beyond his years, you know, in terms of his, you know, how he utilizes, you know, and plays that offense and utilizes his length. And uh, he's a good player. All right. Well, good luck with the rest of your preparation this week. Talk right. to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. As you heard my last question there, can you guys be a dangerous team down the stretch? He, he refuses to look at the bigger picture. He's only focused on Detroit. And that, that's fine. That's what, what, what he's always been like. That's what he's always – but I, I know deep down he must feel that way. And what were they got to lose? Nothing. I, I feel that way. Yeah. I don't. I don't need Matt to tell me that he right. feels they're a dangerous product going down. You know, re- at the remainder of the season, I think the Bears are. I think if you're a defensive coordinator and you got to look at DJ Moore, Cole Komet, what Darnell Mooney can do, the running back position, the influence of the running game, the development of the offense line. I know. I'll put in the athleticism of Justin Fields. You know, and I, I purposely left that to last because there's a lot of other things you have to look at. And then on the defensive side of the ball, statistically how this group is improving. So I you know, they may they're a nervous team. And you say and you know, during the course of your career, whether it was the eighty five Bears or even after that, you think, man, I'd be a little nervous to play this winning team. Sometimes I'm more nervous to play a team with a losing record that's really on the upswing. Because those are the guys that are trying to make lasting impressions to the building, whether it's Kevin Warren, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, or all their position coaches. So, you know, that that would make me nervous as well. But I do like the fact that the Bears are on the uptick on the on the last five games of the season. And Tom, I think you'd agree they have they have elements that are dangerous come December. And I, I've always felt that after Thanksgiving and I think just listening over the years to Tom Brady talk about after Thanksgiving football is when the season really starts. I don't if you're a contender you start to separate, of course. Uh if you're a pretender you fizzle. And if you're a dangerous team, it's because you started slow and you're coming on strong and you're looking ahead to the future. That was Detroit a year ago. Uh, it's been uh, Jacksonville a year ago. And so there's nothing saying it can't be the Bears in 2023. I know it has not been easy. It has been trouble. It has been complicated. It has been wrought with some issues. And uh, But somehow, some way, you know, they managed to play 500 ball in the last eight games. And I know that's not winning football, but it is heading towards a direction where you can actually say, okay, Let's see what happens when they face the big dogs from Detroit coming here on Sunday. Good news, Chicago. United Airlines is getting brand-new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth, connectivity, screens at every seat, and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. And I'm not to say, I mean, I'm being honest here, uh, this team is, is still a lot, a lot of growth to go. They still have some things they got to fix, a lot of things, and they still got to blend together chemistry-wise uh, but I, I look at the names now, just the names of players, and I brought this up with Matt, as you heard, Tom, just the development of some of these names. And, and you go right to the secondary, number one. You go at the at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball with Tevin Jenkins, with Darnell Wright, 
with Braxton Jones. You go to uh, the uh, young running backs. You go to uh, the play of Cairo Santos. You go to a number of defense. Now you got some dudes. You got some dudes playing playing ball. Right. And, and I think when you look at guys like Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, you talk about they signed Andrew, Bill, Andrew Billings to a future contract. They have Montez Sweat, who's going to be aboard for quite a while. And I think those are, those are the type of guys that from the weight room to the practice field, they can be a positive influence on a lot of these young guys. And you think away the linebacker position has come around with TJ Edwards, Tremaine Johnson, but don't leave out Jack Sanborn and, and Sewell. You know, there's a there's a good group of guys there that are going to make this this front this defensive front super super competitive, and they've developed depth at the defensive back. We have fun with each other, uh, and and this this is a player, Tremaine Johnson. But twice you've called him Tremaine Johnson, Tremaine Edmonds. I have. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but I'm see, I'm Tremaine not even. Johnson. Tremaine Johnson, it's in, I, it's a defensive back. Right. I played with in the. I mean, excuse me, a wide receiver I played with in the USFL. There's also been a cornerback of the same yeah. name. <laughs> right, but Tremaine Johnson, <laughs> the guy, the Tremaine Johnson that I played with, was a first rounder in the NFL or yeah. in, the, in the NFL and signed in the USFL and had a great career. My apologies to Tremaine <laughs> Edmonds. Hey, let me. I, I was. I got sidetracked because I got. I got involved in my own enthusiasm because you know what? For us as announcers, man, when the games are big, you you rise to the occasion. You're 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 hanging on every snap, and you're more dialed in. You just are. It's like you you're waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen. It's like uh, Christmas morning when you're a kid and you open up. Can't wait to open up your present. And I that's how I feel about Sunday. I do feel that. But the Bears have elements that I was getting into. They can run the ball and they can stop the run. So right there you have a chance of winning, period. In December football, you run the ball, you stop the run, you have a chance of winning. You need very good and confident special teams play at all times at this time of the year. We don't want any penalties on special teams and no turnovers big time, no missed kicks, no bad punts. You got to take all those elements out of the game, right? You know – well, I'm, you know, me, I know that you're the designated weatherman of the broadcast team. Yes. But when I think about playing cold weather games against warm weather teams, and you have a dome team like Detroit, you have a team like Arizona, you have a team like Atlanta, you know, all these guys are warm weather teams. And that's when you want to see your team go out there and say, all right, man. This is our home stadium. This is in climate weather. This is when we flourish. This is when we play our best. And it's not the same for Cleveland and Green Bay. However, you know, you have to come out here and, you know, you have to put that flag at the middle of the field and say, okay, you're, this, this is our territory. Well, until, until it really gets, like, uh, bitter cold, I, I don't know if it's uh... – an impact like when you know the Michael Vick game when he came on a Sunday night to Chicago and did not want to play football. Let's just be honest. Remember right. that one? Well, I mean, but but <laughs> when again, it's below when zero, when you're walking around wherever you're from and it's in between fifty and seventy degrees, when you come in here Sunday and it's a high temperature of thirty-five, you know that, that's that's peak day and it's going to go down from there i've always said too at soldier field if there's a little rain in the forecast the damp cold at 35 but it's a damp cold that goes through your bones all the way to the next day so that's that's a shiver 
That's a shiver waiting to happen, Tom. You better bring your mucklucks. You better bring that uh, hoodie. Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Tastes like Miller Time Chicago. Okay, bunch of stuff here, Tommy. Um, if you, I, uh, Matt's not going to answer these questions. Not now, anyway, but I wanted to ask him, and I chose not to. I, any, any regrets in the first dozen games? And, you know, there's no player or coach that doesn't regret a moment in a game, a play they should have made, a block they should have had, or a decision that was made. But uh, the regrettable games obviously are blown lead against Denver and Detroit. You're talking about six minutes of ball. We talked about that. You're six minutes from being six and six. And so the crazy thing is, right now, in the NFC, there are only four teams above 500. Okay, four. Eight in the AFC, which we all knew was supposed to be stronger, and it's it's proving out to be the case. Eight above 500 teams in the AFC, just four in the NFC. You got five NFC teams are six and six, only two in the AFC. So it's it's an anything-can-happen conference, and you could have been six and six, a game and a half as the number seven seed in the playoffs if you had finished those two games. So that would be my regret. What would you well, say? Well, you know, the, the NFL wants parity, and they have parity, you know, and it is, you know, you look at um, what is the separation of having a winning record or having a 500 record, and it is those final moments of a game finishing. And, you know, Matt talked about it, and he refers to the – because they played Detroit recently and they're playing them again, talk about finishing that game. I think we all really learned a lesson – of how important that is. And then finishing when you talk about five games left at the end of a season, that's a big, that's a big part of it too, because you can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know how many good things that can, that can still happen in the, in the end of this season. Tom, if they're going to take the ball away like they've been, I mean, that's going to be great, but they got to make the other team pay though. Uh, Seven interceptions, only 13 points off those turnovers in the last two games. Yep. So they got to f- talk about finishing then. You, you got to make them pay. You got to make them pay the rest of the way. If they're going to be Whoa. this kind of a takeaway team, because right now they're tied for fourth in the league in interceptions. Well, I, I guess if there's two things that you would like to close out the season on a positive note is the Bears' defense in the red zone and then the Bears scoring after turnovers. If you just minimalized it down to what are the two things that can help you the most throughout the rest of the season and, you know, continue to play how you've been playing. They've had a really solid running game. The continuous development of Justin and the receivers, including Cole in that in that group. The development of playing a better team defense with Matt as the defensive coordinator. You know, you finish – the defense, if they're more stingy in the red zone and the Bears can score after turnover opportunities, you're, you know, you're, you're talking about a the successful record at the end of the day. You know, it's crazy. Uh, on the ride back from Detroit, we were, it was a kick in the, in the, you know what, it was yep. <laughs> kick in the stomach. And it felt like, my gosh, this is just an uphill battle, but boy, one win and then a little look ahead after a bye to recalibrate a little bit. It just gives you, especially now they got to go out and do it. They got to go out and beat Detroit. That's it. It's a home game in the division. End of this story. Game, listen, you know, this, this game, no matter where they are, it has the emotional attachment of the green Bay game to start the year because I, uh, 
I was probably no no more disappointed after a game than after getting beat by Green Bay at week one. Um, and I have enormous expectations of these final five games for the Bears. And I have, uh, you know, I'm, al- I'm already feeling that type of attachment to this game. And it's still early in the week. Take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today. Yeah, show up nasty on Sunday. Be have a really <laughs> nasty disposition, Tom. That's when you're at your best. It'll be before Sunday. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> we got to talk Cole Komet, Tom. Uh, your self-proclaimed Jeff Joniak favorite player. Uh, he's just a great guy. Come on, man. Yeah. But I will say this. I love this quote from him. I am so much a part of the run game that it helps me get open. And the way they're chipping him and using him, it is creating space for him to do some damage in the passing game. How significant of a, of a development is this for the Bears' offense? Oh, it's, it's incredible. If you look at a tight end's role, and if he's equally as important on all three downs, rather than being inserted on third and long and second and long, and you know he's going to be a part of the passing game rather than the blocking game, it, it really it, you don't create the, you don't create the deception with them. If you go back and you look at the first play of the Minnesota game, it was an exterior screen to the tight end Cole Komet. You know, so what he he can line up in a wide variety of positions. He's taken snaps from center on short yardage plays, but I don't think there's any more important role than blocking by the tight end. When you go back and you look at Mike Ditka's era. They weren't blockers. And then all of a sudden they got involved in the passing game and they took a big, uh, a bigger role inside the offense. But Cole, I, when we were talking the other day, you know, he's got almost 700 reps at the tight end position. And the other, the other guys, a little less than 200, a little more than 200. So you look at what his value is into an offense when you're talking about almost 700 reps with five games to go. Got a question for you. Just sparked a thought because in the days when the Patriots had Tom Brady on a solid run game, they uh, had a lot of different running backs that did the, did the dirty work, but they had two really good tight ends and they had two really good slot receivers. And uh, the, the Randy Moss era hadn't kicked in there in new England, or they didn't really invest in the big outside X's, right? Uh, would you like an offense for Justin, that continues to be focused on building that running game, play action, but having two tight ends that are capable of moving the sticks in a in a damaging way, where you have to pick your poison as a defense. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, running game is always going to be my priority because the reason that we're talking about Cole Komet and how important he is to this football team because he blocks well at the line of scrimmage that affects the running game. And then you talk about how that affects play action and how big of his role is in play action passing. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately it would be awesome to have two tight ends that are equally as talented. Um, And I, I think that can help your offense a lot in short yardage goal line in the red zone and in the bait in the field of play. So, yeah, I mean, it would be uh, to have, you know, two guys of that similar structure, strength, and pass-catching ability, it would help an offense a lot. Here's another thing, too. He's taken some hellacious hits, and he, he, he keeps getting up and going to work. He is the only tight end in the NFL to play in every regular season game since 2020, and we've seen him get rocked, and he is a tough out when he gets the ball in his hands. He, he takes you for a ride a little bit. He batters you a little bit. 
Uh, he is an indispensable player at this point. Let's just be well, honest. He really is. I, I think you're actually uh, making a better point about why would you want yeah. another tight end? Because if he has 700 reps and the combined of the other two, you know, is, you know, like I said, a little less than 200, a little more than 200. It's three quarters of the reps. A, yeah. You just saw, you just signed him to a new contract. You want the Cole Komet in four years that you signed this year. And the way you're going to do it is being able to take a little bit off of his plate, um, you know, during the season. And no player wants to hear that. However, if you're looking at the contributions of the tight end in the modern-day NFL, there's some things you would like to be able to every once in a while give them a break. Steinhoffels is an employee-owned furniture and mattress store. Visit any of their four Chicagoland locations in Vernon Hills, Crystal Lake, Downers Grove, and Harwood Heights, or shop online at steinhoffels.com. Jeff and Tom on the Bears Etc. podcast. Let's look at some other things around the league. Oh, by the way, uh, today uh, our taping of this is December 4th. It airs on December 5th. December 3rd, 1985, Big Tom. A very important day in Bears history. The recording of the Super Bowl shuffle. Did you remember that? Did that even flicker in your mind? Because you weren't there. But I I remember December 2nd. Yes, you sure do. We don't have to talk about that. That's when we got beat by the Miami Dolphins. We're flying home, getting ready to, (laughs) as Willie Galt was trying to encourage guys in the team playing to show up at the Park West. And I remember when he brought the idea of the video up to me, I go, hey, Willie, do you have to dance on camera? He goes, oh, yeah, we're all going to take part in that. I go, that is one thing I will never do. Well, let me ask you something. So you're on the team ride back, and you're asking these questions. Was it your intention, win or lose, to actually go to do the Super Bowl shuffle? So you didn't have a no. role in it. Well, you're just going to be a background guy. If you had well, gone, that's what they were doing. The, when they when they were filming the at the Park West, that's when they were filming the band scene. Okay, that everybody was like the chorus of a play, and so you know between Cal Thomas and Mike Tomzak and Maury Buford and Stefan Humphreys and just the rest of the crew. Well, you couldn't use were, all fifty three in the video, but it, that would have been pretty cool. You could have had a little camera. You you could have been a star, Tom. You could have yeah. been you could have been headed to the silver hey, screen. Listen, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anything I've ever heard about the dancing of Fensick or the dancing of Steve Fuller or um, Otis. you know uh, Tom Zach playing the air guitar. The only good solo that was was Cal Thomas playing the <laughs> right, saxophone. Right, it was. Oh gosh, what what good times though, um, Tom. Uh, New England, the first team, this is according to ESPN stats, the first team since 1938, Chicago Cardinals, to allow 10 points or fewer in three straight games and lose them all. This sport is crazy. You know, you think it's all happened before and it hasn't. I mean, it's. I always thought the baseball, you know, that, that that's a never-ending number of things that, quote-unquote, never happened that could happen. In this league, it, it's continuing, too. That's nuts. Kind of crazy. I, yeah, I don't know what it. I don't know what it tells me. You know, for all those years, you had so much respect for what Bill Belichick was doing in New England. Now, does it say that Tom Brady was a more important part of the package of success there than Belichick? And but you know, it, it's just another stat that 
for the first time in 30, since 1938, it's not a common occurrence. No, sur- surely not. Uh, Kenny Pickett had his ankle surgery, had the tightrope surgery. That's something that uh, I believe Darnell Mooney had as well. It's it's supposed to be a, a quicker process for recovery in season, and so they're not putting him on IR. But that means Mitchell Trubisky, who's going to get the start against New England this week, now kind of impacts the Bears potentially having – a higher draft pick or not that Carolina owns, or if New England with only two wins on the season, they could eventually stumble into that first pick overall as well. So a kind of an interesting side there for the former bear quarterback. Any thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, it could, it could be the first time in the history of the NFL that a team is got beat, you know, I, so if there's one more game statistically that adds to the statistics of the, of you just read me from the 1938, you know, New England could break that record or, uh, you know, but uh, Pittsburgh's offense hasn't really statistically been doing great things. Although they did have a good game. The first, uh, first game after the firing of Matt Canada. Right. You know, you just want Carolina to stay where they're at for, from a bears perspective. We're we're not, you know, we're we're not looking at it any other way. Um, What'd you think of Jordan love last night? I think you know what I, I think that it's it's a real telltale sign if you're a quarterback that's fortunate to sit on the bench behind a all-star quality caliber quarterback it helps you improve without ever playing snaps and I think Aaron Rodgers was evidence of that when he sat behind Brett Favre for all those years and now it's Jordan Love is evidence of that I think Zach Wilson in New York Jets would have done the same thing if he would have had a chance to sit behind Aaron Rodgers if he was able to play the season. And it just goes back generations. When quarterbacks were drafted and they didn't have to play immediately, they did sit there and learn for three to four years before they actually had to go in and play. Khalil Mack has 15 sacks now, leads the NFL with the Chargers. How about that? Yeah, I don't know what to think about that. I'm, you know, surprised, and uh, I I didn't know if he still had it in him, but obviously he's, you know, having Joey Bosa across the line from him, but he's been hurt now a couple games. Khalil Mack has been able to work wonders this year, but I think one game he had five sacks, and then he had ten in the other however many games they played. All right, let's a quick look at Detroit, and we'll wrap things up here on the Bears Etc. podcast. Uh, I know you have strong feelings about that team. Uh, you uh, re- A lot of respect for some of their players, their head coach, obviously. Uh, the way they run the ball, they got speed. Uh, we saw what the Bears did to that defense, which is probably the point that we have to bring up here is, you know, they, they jumped to a 21 nothing lead, so they are a quick strike. They got 21 points in the first quarter. Bam, 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 on the road in New Orleans, just like they did it on the opposite end of the spectrum against the Bears with a couple of drives and a safety, and they walk away at Ford Field with a win over the Bears. So they're a quick-strike team that you can't let them be. And then this defense is having its issues. There there are things about that defense that are not working for the Lions. So how do you exploit it? Uh, Because I think they really miss C.J. Gardner-Johnson the bad, bad, you know what's the bad man at the safety position who is as annoying as they come and is, a, is as nasty as they come back there. There's something missing from that team uh, defensively, and I hope they don't find it until a while down the road. Well, well, you know, Aiden Hutchinson has 44% of their pressures on defense. 
So they brought in Bruce Irving, who had a really bad personal foul of roughing the quarterback last week. 36 years old, he's been on the couch, and now he's their number two pass rusher. To me, I am going to run, you know, not ex- at the defensive end position. I'm going to tire out and attack Aiden Hutchinson, and I'm going to make a 36-year-old defensive end who I guarantee is not in shape yet. I'm going to make him defend the whole time. And you talk about Cole Komet, the, the blocker, you can do it. You got Braxton Jones, who's got great length, who can block him. You got Darnell Wright and Cole and the rest of the guys who can block Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. So I'm not going to allow their defense to do what they want to do and put pressure into the backfield on, on, the, on Justin. And then when I look at their offense, you better be able to stop um, the two receivers in the tight end because they have a lot of confidence in their the pass-blocking ability of their offensive line. And so if you allow them to have some big plays in the passing game, that's super discouraging to, to a defense at this point. But again, you know, the, I think Jared Goff, he's intelligent. He doesn't have great escapability. So you put that pocket around him a lot like you did to Dobbs in Minnesota and make him throw from a really crowded, polluted area. Laporta had himself a game, but I got to give credit to Goff. He threw in some tight windows and and moved just enough to create a window of opportunity, but 9 for 140 for Laporta, Jamison Williams on the end around. That guy's lightning fast. He did score against the Bears as well, and of course, Amon St. Brown does just about everything well. Uh, for Detroit. So it should be fun. A lot to, to get into over the course of the week. We'll have that next podcast for you. We'll get a look from a Detroit perspective on that game as well on our Thursday show. Uh, one last thing, Tom. Uh, uh, unbelievable what's going on in the transfer portal as of this Gosh. day. Uh, more than 50 FBS quarterbacks <clears throat> have entered the portal already. So they're just moving around to see what's their next best opportunity to either win or get themselves uh, on a track to be drafted high, and uh, it's it's really something. And the money that's being discussed for the quarterbacks, it that it will you know, coaches are out there quoting it'll take one and a half to two million dollars to get quarterback X here. Right. Do you have the I mean, money? what incentive are they going to have to compete and to, and to work hard to be pros? Because that money's far off. You know, you leave college with a couple of million dollars. I think it. I think it. It affects your incentive. And, um, you know, I, I just, I know, you know, football used to be a poor man's sport. Nowadays, you're going to have money coming into the league. I mean, it's hard to even com- I comprehend. It really is. Yeah. It really is. But, hey, none of our, none of our business, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, listen, I, I don't begrudge any of these guys no. for it. Because hey, it's there, yeah. just part of it. There's more argument about the four college football teams that made it into the playoffs. So what do you want to – you want to complain about money or complain about a committee that, you know, decided on what four teams best fit the playoff? Do you think Florida State belonged? Um, I, not with this quarter. I'd well, see, that's see just Georgia. it. Well, yeah, I mean, the quarterback – but then you're punishing the other guys, the other yeah, 21 I, starters. I understand that, but, Man. you know, you saw what happened with TCU last yeah, year when they didn't true. even make a game of it. We're brought to you by PNC, official bank of the Bears. That's going to wrap us up. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I've been back with you on Thursday. We'll take a deep dive in the Lions. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, 
or wherever you get your podcast. Tom, you delivered it today. Nice job. Yeah. Thanks, Big Joe. Talk to you Thursday. And bear down, everybody. <laughs>